Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Johnny. Yes, we are back. And I understand that we have on the phone with us from high atop the uh, seventh floor of the uh, U.S. Bank building, I think NASCAR Nicole is with us from you the Dahlberg correct. Law Firm. How you are, are you? I am good. How are you doing? Good. Very well. It's good. warming up. It makes the whole, it makes everybody feel better, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great weekend. I mean, we had a Wonderful weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Well, um, so how's things cranking? Uh, Chris tells me that he's pretty busy. You've been keeping he him busy, is. getting things organized? Yeah. He is. He's absolutely is keeping busy. He's meeting with a new client right now for estate planning. So, yeah, so things are going going well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, the thing, the thing that we try to always make sure that people understand is that uh, Chris probably more than any other attorney in the Northland specializes in wills, probates, uh, because that's what he really is good at, what he's experienced at. But it's very simple for a person to get a will put in place. And with your help, Nicole, uh, it can happen very painlessly, right? It can. And yeah, there's one thing that Chris wanted me to specifically mention to the listeners today. Um, it goes in conjunction with the estate planning. There is something in Minnesota called a list of tangible personal property. And that is a list that you can do in conjunction with your will to give away things like books, jewelry, you know, furniture, personal, anything that tangible that you can actually touch um it it does not work for checking accounts or you know investment accounts or things like that but that's something that the only requirement of that is you can sign you have to sign and date it and he says it can be written on the back of a bar napkin or even a personal perkins placemat and it can be attached with your documents there's nothing formal about it the only requirement is it's signed and dated and that's where you say i'm going to give my you know gun collection to Johnny Smith, my son, whatever. Yeah. And then you date it, and you can change that anytime you want to. But he, he also cautioned that if you have, this is his quote, if you have a Russian czar's hunting rifle, you might want to specifically <laughs> refer to that into your, in your will. So that's what he said. Yeah. Or something valuable yeah, because, like that, you know. Um, yeah. You know, if you have something that's, that, that's out of the ordinary, that's, that's really valuable, you can specifically list it in your will, but for the everyday run-of-the-mill things, that can be taken care of by this separate list. So You know, it's that, interesting yeah. you should bring that up this morning because uh, my wife and I were talking over the weekend, and she was, she was mentioning the fact that when she was a little girl, she used to always go into her, her at that time it was her great-grandmother's room, and she always was so impressed by this brooch that she had. Mm-hmm. And her great-grandmother finally said to her, well, honey, when I pass away, that brooch will be yours. I'll make sure that you get that. Uh-huh. It doesn't always work that way, even but, though the saying is nice, unless you have taken the position or the opportunity to set it aside that way, right? Exactly. Yeah. You Otherwise, usually personal property is just split, I mean, 50 you know. 50-50 or sure. equal shares between, you know, children or whatever. But if there's a and – if, and if you don't designate it, say, like you said, to a great-grandchild or to a grandchild, it's all going to go to your kids. It might not necessarily go to your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. So that's a very right. good example of if you have a family heirloom that you know that a specific 
person has interest in and would like to have upon your desk, do this list. We, we provide you with a copy of a sample when we give you your document. Okay. But again, if there is no formality. You can sign if you write it on the back of a napkin and sign and date it and put it with your will. That's official. So, um, Fantastic. Uh, so we always give you a, a copy of that, you know, with your with your documents. So, okay. but again, give us a call. 218-722-5809, 218-722-5809, and we can get that process started for you and provide you with that list as well as part of your documents. So um, that's good. one thing that maybe people don't think about. You know, you, know. Well, you know, that's so. very good information to know. Just because Grandma has said you can get it doesn't mean it's going to happen unless you right. have it documented. Specifically. Yep, I yep. like Cause it. Because then, then you submit that along with the will, and you've got it in writing, and it's specifically laid out. Um, and otherwise, there's going to be, fight. there might be fights, and somebody's going to say, I want that. And they're like, no, Grandma said I could have that. And you're like, well, too bad she didn't write right. it down anywhere. And, and people do... People do things like that. They do fight about things like that, and I've, we've seen it happen. Well, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it does happen. So you give bet. us a call, again, 218-722-5809, and we'll help you take care of that. All right. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate it very, very much, as always. Both Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, Dahl, Chris, Chris Dahlberg Law Firm can help you out. So. With that, uh, we want to get back to the phones. We've had a couple callers hold through the break here the last hour. Uh, first up is our friend Dan from over in the Wrench Hall area. Uh, he's been on hold for a long time. Dan, good afternoon. How are you? Good. Good afternoon, Brad. You know, I'm I'm very upset about these prosecutors that are going after law enforcement. You know, when they that woman was in, you know, she was in a car, and that guy was trying to drive away in that car. And she, instead of using her taser, used her gun. She had the right to do that because they're, you know, they were, uh, that guy was going to hurt people if he drove away. Yeah. Same with the yeah. highway patrol officer on the freeway. You know, the guy was about ready to drive away or he was driving away. He would have drugged the other guy. Somebody could have been seriously hurt. So he had the right to use deadly force. And uh, we have a, uh, you know, we have a situation where they're going after police, and, I, and I'm sick of it. And I hope when Trump gets in, he'll pardon these officers who have been persecuted and incarcerated when they shouldn't have been. Well, I, I agree with you, Dan, because this, this, was an, uh, this particular one with the Cobb deal was not only was there a, a possibility they could grab, he was dragging two officers with already. He should uh, get an award. He should get a promotion. <laughs> he should be honored. They should, the mayor should have a special thing about how you possibly save people's lives by putting down this thug. You know, and now None. the family in of the Minnesota father. in Minnesota, Dan, we, we go out of our way to prosecute the officers to make their life living hell. You know that uh, a week ago in Brooklyn Center, uh, Minnesota, just down by the cities, the Brooklyn Center City Council voted down a proposed resolution. Thank God that would have kept police officers from making basic traffic stops. <laughs> See, it, it was the, the policy 
would have prevented Brooklyn Park police officers from pulling over drivers for broken lights, expired vehicle registration, non-functioning license plate, uh, exceeding vehicle noise rules, all of those types of things. This was a group of people that came before the Brooklyn City Council and wanted them to outlaw officers making simple traffic stops. Well, where does it stop them? Didn't what, they do that the, in the Duluth, next... Brad? Didn't they, they, well, they pass the law that they couldn't pull people over if they had a broken taillight and if they were a, a, a black or brown color, you know, they... Uh, of course, they were oriented, so you could pull them over. You know? I don't know. I, I hope not, Dan, but <laughs> it, it's very possible. It, you know, it's very possible. Let me, let me just finish. Dan, thank you. You brought up some good points here. And, and yes, here's, what, here's again back to Joe Sushru, because I think he uses common sense here in a lot of these cases. Um, Cobb was wanted by Ramsey County on a probable cause domestic disturbance. This is what troopers do every night, every day, and they just never know what the next minute will bring. The trooper returned to the car and attempted to get Cobb to cooperate and get out of the car. Cobb refused. Another, uh, Another patrol car rolled up as backup after learning that the felony nature of the arrest. One of the two troopers was Londegren. <clears throat> the initial trooper again asked Cobb to, re- to turn off his car. He still had the car running at this point and surrender his keys and exit the car. They asked him this nicely and n- numerous times. <clears throat> he told that he was under arrest. Cobb still refused to cooperate. Lundegren approached the car, saw what was happening, and opened the passenger door. The initial trooper opened the driver's door. Cobb didn't like that. Londigan drew his handgun to cover the cop, uh, the trooper pulling, trying to pull Cobb out of the car. Cobb attempted to drive away, putting the car into drive and stepping on the gas. The trooper clinged to the car on both sides. Londigan fired twice at Cobb <clears throat> as both troopers fell away from the car. Cobb drove a short distance and then crashed. Not at all. Incidentally, a gun was on the floor behind the council of the cop. It was probably right on the council, and when the car drove away, it slipped onto the back seat floor. It's probably safe to assume that the gun is why Cobb didn't want to get out of the car. A felony shall not be a felon shall not be in possession of a gun and included in Cobb's criminal record is a felony for domestic assault and felony for domestic assault by strangulation. Moriarty said last week, as with all Minnesota law enforcement officers, state troopers may only use deadly force when it is necessary to protect a person from a specific identified threat of great bodily harm or death that was reasonably likely to occur. This did not exist in this case. Ricky Cobb should be alive today. Apparently, bodily harm or death doesn't apply if two patrol officers face bodily harm or death getting dragged by a car. Mary Moriarty, why don't you explain to the public how you would have handled it, what you would have done? Because something is desperately wrong here, and we are less safe because of it. How can this be fixed? Do officers get three chances to ask nicely for cooperation? 
Are officers then obligated to let a suspect drive away? Ramsey County instructions be damned? If backup arrives, perhaps that patrol car would only be used to box in the suspect's car. But should the backup officer just stay in their vehicle and not attempt to help? It turns out to be a tragic night for both Cobb and Langergren. And Moriarty is is correct. Ricky Ricky Cobb should be alive today. He certainly had every chance to still be amongst us. And all he would have had to do was shut the car off and do what the officers asked him to do. But see, we have gotten to a point in this country where uh, enough of these cases are going to happen that police officers will no longer be obligated to function as police officers. They'll only be for crowd control or whatever else. Uh, Because if you ask them to uh, do something and you are a felony or someone in in the possession of a felony, uh, maybe you're not allowed to have a handgun, but you got one, all you have to do is just drive away. And maybe sometime down the line, we'll send you a ticket in the mail, but you'll have gotten away with being that felon. I mean, Mary Moriarty should be ashamed of herself. She is not supporting uh, police officers who put their lives on the line every day in this country. And at 2 a.m., when you're confronting a, a convicted felon who has had a long history of gang association and other associations, you don't know what you're going to get into in that car. Anyway, enough said. Uh well, I, you know, you know yeah, what? enough said. But, you know, Brad, <clears throat> where does this end? Exactly. H- how long does this go on? And my answer would be as long as this administration is in office in St. Paul. Because you've got yeah. uh, Governor Walls. You've got his Attorney General, uh, Keith Ellison. You've got this Hennepin County uh, uh, um, District Attorney. And they're all yeah. on the same page. Yeah, they are. And it's not to uh, to help protect us, the citizens, from criminals. It's to protect the criminals from law enforcement. Did you see over the That's weekend? That's my humble estimation. Yeah. Did you see over the weekend? And I, I, anyways, it was uh, something I saw on I think Twitter, X. Okay. And uh, it was a, a park in Minneapolis, a neighborhood where they were having uh, an event going on. And one of the, uh, it was something to do with artists. And one of the pieces of artwork was on an incline, they had this uh, contraption that was going down at a small incline. And as the wheels turned, it caused, I, I will say it was kind of a creative thing that they made, but it said third precinct and it showed flames. And as the wheels turned, these flames pulsated up and down. And I thought, wait a second, what are we seeing here? This is this neighborhood, and there's kids there and stuff. And I thought, really, they're celebrating the burning down of the third precinct in Minneapolis? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty astonishing, Brad, to see with our very own eyes what is happening right here in our own backyard with this uh, administration. Did you see when Governor—I'm sorry— when President Biden was in town over in Superior, they gathered, yeah. I think it was near the High Bridge, and they were going to speak there. So you had Governor Evers. Right. You had the president. 
And then off to the side, you had Governor Walls, Tina Smith, Klobuchar, and who's the one from uh, Wisconsin? Uh, her name escapes me. Oh, and um, they were gathered yeah. taking selfies. They had their backs to the president. And here you have the president standing there like a complete innocent person. Just He looked like he was 90 years old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's staring at them. And Evers is standing next to the president in between. And he's like, doesn't know what to say. And they're totally oblivious, being as arrogant as they can be, taking a selfie. And when they realize the president is standing there waiting, they go, oh, he's waiting for us. Oh, geez. <laughs> it was one of the most incredible uh, juvenile uh. things by our elected officials that I have ever seen. And this isn't to say that they... Um, that you know the president was being uh, um, disrespected, but he was. Because, oh, absolutely, he was. And, yeah. and why is it so hard for our governor to wear a tie? He is the <laughs> sloppiest dresser of any elected official I've ever seen. He well, can't he, wear a tie he, he would, when the he president would say comes. To you, I'm a I'm a farmer. No, uh, he's I'm a not. farmer. No. I'm with the people. He's a buffoon, no. <laughs> Brad. Yes, Take off exactly. those stupid-looking stonewashed jeans. Those are for Friday and Saturday night, Governor, not for when the president comes to town. Put on some black shoes and some black slacks. Put on a nice yeah. white shirt and a tie. Make it look like you're an official. He's, yeah. he's a derelict governor, Brad. It just irritates me to see that. It's not that hard oh. to put on a tie. You're the governor of our state, you fool. Hey, Kenny, I got something serious to ask you here because I've I've gotten two different uh, setups from from people recently that they've sent me items that are very telling. You and I have talked about immigration, how it's totally out of control. And we've talked about the uh, southern border sending people to Chicago, sending them to uh, New York, sending them to Philadelphia. And they're they're getting full. They've said we don't want any more. Guess where they're coming next? Where? Huh? Here's here's a copy of a of a job posting I got from a Twin Cities bus company. TCC is looking for ten bus operators to operate Arctic buses up to St. Cloud Airport. You will be used to transport immigrants from Texas back to Minneapolis for for shelter. The need is for operators pulling in between 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., and you would be on standby through 3 a.m. In other words, you're going to be picking up illegal immigrants at the airport that have flown in from Texas, but we want you to be very discreet. We'd, you're going to be pulling in to drop them off late at night, early in the morning when nobody's going to see. Now, that ties together with a job posting from uh, the state of Minnesota, establishing an office of new Americans. Immigrants and refugees are crucial to Minnesota's future growth. Really? Why? Because we can't grow any of our own citizens because they're leaving because of the tax structure? They significantly impact Minnesota's economy through small business creation, exceptional culture contribution, and meeting labor needs. 
but they are but they face barriers like access to state government services and employment opportunities. Permanently establishing and funding the office of new Americans would be a crucial step toward eliminating those obstacles for they say immigrants, they mean illegal immigrants and refugees, and fostering success. The one-year Minnesota budget proposes $750,000 annually to support the Office of New Americans, ONA. This total, including $250,000 per year to fund agency translation services. Yeah, because all these illegal immigrants can't can't sit, speak English, so we got to teach them. I'm telling you, folks, this is coming to a community near you in Minnesota now because Chicago and Detroit, New York are full, so you're next. Besides, we've got the space in Minnesota. We gotta we gotta take a break, folks. We'll be back right after CBS News. KDAL time is one thirty-one, thirty-two degrees in Duluth, thirty-four degrees in Superior. Cole K checks in a 32 degrees. Some fog and mist is still hanging out and about there, Brad. Moose Lake, overcast, and 34. Uh, Brad, on the phone, we do have Sean from Phil's Garage Door Service. Well, Sean, when it's fairly nice like this, I mean, 32 is not, you know, it's not the kind of weather you're going to lay out in the yard and suntan, but it's nice. Your door operates probably a little easier more often with this kind of weather, wouldn't you think? Uh, yes, and also the technicians uh, don't mind you uh, being a little bit warmer. Oh, boy, I never thought of that. You're absolutely right. If they don't have to freeze their hands, it's easier to work on your system. It's much, much better to uh, get out and do some work on uh, on garage doors that need a little need a little work to them. Yes, and we don't, you know, it, it goes a little bit quicker so we can, you know, help save the customer's money, and uh, just because, you know, when it's sub-temperatures, uh, we don't even want to work. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It, it's just nasty cold out there, and, you know, I think we got away from a, having a very mild January. You know, it has been, and the long range for February looks pretty pretty good, too. But no matter what the weather conditions are for you, Northlanders, if you're listening this morning and, and you've ever had problems with a garage door, whether it was stuck or whether there's some broken spring or even a simple thing like a safety sensor or a big thing like maybe you want a whole door replacement, you want to put some new doors on your garage, make it look better and operate better, anything that has to do with garage doors, Phil's service team stands ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week, seven seven days a week, year-round. When you need that door to go up and down, Phil's garage door service, uh, the whether it's residential or commercial garage doors, they can make it happen. They've been repairing and installing doors since 1994. They're locally owned, veteran owned, and union operated. And we're talking to Sean from over at uh, Phil's Garage Door right now. Uh, Sean, 
during the, uh, well, I guess it would be during any time of year, what's the most common thing that you see with a garage? I would think it might be sensor issues, only because those are people-oriented. Sometimes people do stupid things like hitting the wrong button. I've done it myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, between the, the safety sensors, or the, we call it the entrapment protection, or uh, just having, you know, usage in your springs break uh, because they're sure. just for 10,000 cycles. And, um, you know, you don't think of how many cycles you're running in a year or two years, but the average household is running right about seven years right now. So wow. that's something to think about as you're, um, you know, either building a new house or buying a house and, and find out when it's built because, uh, seven, seven to ten, depending on usage, is kind of the average. Well, I'll tell you what, we love having, uh, especially businesses like yours as sponsors on our show, because we know that these are the kind of things that the average person is going to have a need for at one time or other. I've had at least two op- opportunities that I've had to use your services over the years, and I know that probably everybody listening has had a time or two when they've had it hit the button and the thing didn't go up or didn't come back down once it was up. Yep. So listen, if if you are uh, if you're a kind of person that wants to be protected for the future, make sure that you write down right now this phone number that I'm going to give you someplace special inside your phone book, uh, on a tablet that you might have on the fridge, two one eight five two five seven six five four. That's 218-525-7654. That's philsgaragedoor.com. And uh, what, Sean, you guys, 30 years, that's a pretty lengthy professional a length of service to be providing services. Yeah, I'm almost ready for retirement, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> well once, once again, I really appreciate you guys and, and uh, you know, sitting down and, and having five minute chat with us, and um, and and uh, we'll we'll do it again next week. All right, thank you much, Sean. Sean from uh, Phil's Garage Door, and again, if you want to make sure your garage door's going up and down when you want it to, have that phone number handy: two one eight five two five seven six five four. We got to go to a CBS News. KDAL time is 140, overcast, 32 degrees in Duluth. Uh, Brad, today is National Bible Day. Bible Day. Well, every every house should have a Bible around, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Grandma had a real big one. Oh, man. Mine did, too. A huge one. (laughs) I've still got a couple of Bibles. And can I share with you and your listeners uh, my three favorite Bible verses? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, we've got poor Jeff on hold. He's been on forever. Well, Jeff will appreciate this. Okay. Um, And I'm going to do this in order because, well, one of my favorite Bible verses is one that I remembered and learned uh, a long time ago, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's from Peter. Okay. Um, and, and I'm struggling here, uh, which one to go with last in these two. And I, 
I, I think I'm going to save this. Don't one for pick a, favorites. Well, oh, well, I do though because these are my favorites uh, in today's okay. Bible day. Uh, Proverbs twenty five twenty four. It is better to live in the corner of the roof than to share the house with a contentious woman. Ooh. And the lesson there is to avoid the conflict. Yes. Yeah, and that's Proverbs. Yeah. And then my favorite one here, this one gives me chills. This is James 2.19. Um, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Oh, James. <laughs> Jeff, I'm sorry, but... Uh, that's all I got on that Bible stuff. Yeah, there you go. Well, Jeff, you've been hanging on a long time. What's uh, what's picking your interest that you've been patiently waiting to get on the air here? Well, I got to thank you because I always believe in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So I don't mind sitting around talking about the Bible. That's that's, uh, okay. that's a good time, yeah. But I'm calling today. I spent some time this weekend in Duluth, and I don't even want to talk about all the potholes I dodged and went through and and all that, because I know that's a big issue. But what I did see, and what concerns me, is the new hospital, you know, Essentia. Um, I witnessed an ambulance coming up 2nd Street, and it could not turn right onto 4th Avenue East to go down to the emergency room. It was coming up 2nd Street, red lights and siren, and it couldn't turn to go to the ER. Well, the old ER was up you know, up 4th Avenue East uh, right. in, the building, right. in the building that was between 3rd and 4th Street. Well, I had a long conversation with a lifelong resident of Duluth, and we went through the history of that uh, hospital district. You had St. Mary's up on 4th Street, which years ago the ER was up there. Then you have um, what was Duluth Clinic on 3rd Street, and then you go down to Miller Dwan and the main entrance to the new hospital, which goes down to First Street. Well, the okay. ER entrance, the ER, the new ER entrance is on First Street. So if you can't go um, uh, down Fourth Avenue East to get to First Street, you have to go all the way over to uh, I'm like Tenth Avenue East, and then you oh have to backtrack. God. Yeah. So the ambulance, and I witnessed this because I got in my car following sort of the ambulance, seeing what it was do would do, and. Um, they just gave up, and they went over to St. Luke's. Well, when you go over to St. Luke's, <laughs> 10th Avenue East is blocked off because of construction. Oh, no. So if you're on Superior Street, you got to go up to 12th Avenue East and backtrack to the ER. So I'm telling you, I don't know how they're communicating with these ambulances, but it took easily 10 minutes to get you know, from 2nd Street. So eventually they went to the ER in St. Luke's. Because I, I don't even know if they knew where the new ER is in Essentia. And so that led to a conversation with this friend of mine. And we believe that they need to educate the public. Take out a full page yeah. and Mr. Brune. Start telling people how it's all set up now. The main entrance is on 2nd Street. Part. It appears to me, Jeff. Uh, uh, Kenny, who's our new administrative uh, manager? Is it Dave Montgomery? Yes. Well, it seems to me somebody ought to get a hold of Dave Montgomery and say, hey, we got this beautiful new hospital set up, but it's very difficult for them to get into the emergency room uh, because of 
constraints on the on the roads. Maybe they just need to vacate uh, one way on going on a certain street or whatever. Change the way the traffic flows a little bit to accommodate uh, the biggest uh, advancement in the city for a long, long time. David yeah, Montgomery, other, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. The other thing I was going to say is some patients, you know, need to be picked up by family members, and family members don't know that you can park for the first two hours in the ramp on between Second and Third Street. You know where the old Duluth Clinic. Ah, uh, sure, sure. And you don't have to pay for parking on weekends. So you can park there all weekend, and you don't have to pay for it. But I don't think people know that. And if you enter the no. main entrance, you can go to the floor, pick up your family member who's coming home, and easily get to your car at the roundabout there, and you won't have to do any stairs. Uh, but some people are going to the parking ramp by the Sheraton, taking the Skyway up to, you know, Essentia, and then they take the elevator up to what is the sixth oh, floor in the hospital, God. but is Second Avenue East. I'm telling you, Brad, it's very confusing. And so I, I literally is. spend yeah. some time telling people, you can park here for free. You don't have to park at the Sheraton. You don't have to take the Skyway. You can do everything right off the Second Street entrance. And people don't know that, but they appreciate hmm. me educating them to, uh, you know, the new way of doing things. It's going to take time, well, but I really think they need to stay on top of it so people don't get frustrated. Hmm. Jeff, I'll tell you what, we appreciate you bringing this up to us today because I think it is a flaw in the new system with the hospital. And maybe it just needs to be a little something where the city manager or city department, somebody can make some recommendations to change the traffic flow now that we've got the new buildings in place. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, Now, we've got to take our um, Minnesota news break. And then we'll come back and wrap up the Monday edition of Sound Off. KDAL time, 153, 32 degrees. My goodness, we're still freezing, uh, but it's very mild, 32 degrees. And there is still a wind kicking out there at about 16 miles an hour out of the west, so there's still a wind chill. And uh, one more time on that uh, Bible verse, Brad, I won't read it. It's about living in the corner of the rooftop uh, rather than sharing the house with a quarrelsome or a contentious woman. Proverbs 25, 24. I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of feedback on that one. (laughs) I'll bet you did. (laughs) So what do you think about this uh, concept, Kenny, of uh, letting bus driver services know that they're going to be hauling illegal immigrants from the airport at St. Cloud down to Minneapolis, where we're going to be putting them into accommodations or housing? I mean, what is with this country just forcing hundreds and millions of illegal immigrants into this country. We are trying to change the fabric of America, aren't we? Well, it's a it's a reckless policy, and there's sound bites of Joe Biden saying that he's opposed to that type of uh, policy uh, back in the day, but uh, he won't admit that, or and he'll uh, you know wiggle around that. But uh, you know, and I thank Daryl from Duluth because he sent a text earlier in the program, Brad, that. If the president, uh, he said he could shut down the board, border immediately, but yeah. he wants he wants a border bill. He wants, uh, you know, he wants what he wants in order to shut the border down. Right. So he can shut it down. Of Why doesn't he, he do that? Let's shut this border down. Let's protect our sovereignty. And let's talk. 
Because it's simple. not really what he wants, Kenny. He wants an open border. That's what he is. It's a reckless what, policy. What he, all to of his plans. This. Yeah, it all really of his is. plans and all of his policies have shown that that he wants an open border, and it's hurting the fabric of this country. It really is, and it, you know we. I think we all agree that we need a certain amount of legal immigration, and we want legal immigration. But why have laws if we're willing to just break them willy-nilly? That makes no sense. Anyway, I'm going to be following this uh, story coming out of Ukraine now uh, a little bit. Uh, I can't wait to keep see where this goes, that the uh, security services of Ukraine has uncovered a massive procurement fraud involving approximately $40 million worth of funds that were set up to buy mortar and artillery shells and instead lined some bureaucrats' pockets. That's, uh, that's not uh, what, uh, what should be happening with our taxpayer money. Well, you think and about the, the wasted money, Brad, that this administration yeah. has uh, been a part of. This, that PPP money, all of oh, this. Oh, God. The wasted money that our government has quite frankly wasted in the last yeah. three years is remarkable, remarkable in the multiple it, it billions, have, probably approaching it, it a trillion. Been, it, whoa, maybe it exceeding a trillion. Easily. God, it, it's well, in, probably well over that. We, you know, he talks about how college, uh, college graduates are paying way too much and it's hurting them for paying their loans. You know what? All this money that has been wasted uh, could have been providing education for people at a certain threshold. We could have been doing positive things with it. But this administration decides what they want to do with their money. And what they're doing with our money is they're giving illegal immigrants a threshold and a way into this country and a livelihood that is way over what we should be doing. Uh, anyway. There, there's nothing Today frugal about this government, about this administration. No. I think you can say no. that about a lot of administrations, a lot of governments in general. But bring that yeah. back. Bring back some. Uh, bring it back. Absolutely. Uh, fiscal sanity. Well, folks, we will be coming back at you tomorrow here. Lots of things happening on a regular basis. And uh, we'll get into more of it tomorrow when we come back to you with Sound Off on a Tuesday here in the Northland on 610 KDAL Radio.